Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns started 2021 with a win over Pittsburgh that allowed them to snap a 17-year playoff drought. 2021 ends today with the Browns headed to Pittsburgh for a Monday night game necessary to keep their playoff hopes alive if the Browns get help Sunday. Here to discuss what could be an eventful next 10 days is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. How are you, Chud? Scott, it's uh, a new year. Happy New Year to you. New Year's Eve, final day of the year when we're recording this. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Same to you. I looked at my calendar yesterday. I go, I can't believe tomorrow's December 31st. I don't know know where it went, Chud. And the funny thing is, you say, what did you say? Interesting 10 days. You know, it's interesting. 2021, you will look back and say, hey, it was a disappointing year for the Browns, really, with the expectations. But here's what's funny. 2022 could be unbelievable if everything goes their way. That's true. <laughs> That's it. true. Yeah, I know. It's it's weird. You know, the the, the NFL schedule, I mean, now it's going to be a, a week later into January because of, um, you know, the 17th game in the 18th week. But, you know, there were times where I'm pretty sure the season would end right at the end of December, right? And then sometimes it would carry over right to the beginning of January. Um, but I was thinking about that, and it was – January 3rd, last year when the Browns hosted Pittsburgh and needed the win to get into the playoffs. And then January 10th, they won the Wildcat game in Pittsburgh. Uh, and then obviously the 17th is when they lost in Kansas City. So it was 2021, got off to such a great start. And then it ends for the Browns in 2021. Now, obviously, their hopes aren't dashed, but these last two two point losses um, have really been, I don't want to say backbreakers because they haven't killed the season. Um, but really change the outlook, right? All they had to do is win one of those two games and they would control their destiny to win the AFC North. And now not only do they need to beat Pittsburgh on Monday night and then Cincinnati at home the following Sunday, they need help, right? They need Cincinnati to lose to the Chiefs on Sunday and they need Baltimore to lose one of its final two um, and then they could still win the AFC North. So hope is not lost, but they made it awfully hard on themselves. Yeah, they really did. Uh, but it is incredible. I was thinking, you know, the, the Browns have not done what they were supposed to do necessarily. No, not necessarily. They didn't do what they were supposed to do to put themselves in this position. It's really the division c- kind of came back to them in, in a way. Not not came back to them because last year the Browns were so good, right? But I guess what I'm saying is there's not that elite team this year. Everyone's just so clustered together. And surprisingly, the, the Bengals look like the best of the bunch right now. Yeah, I think that's true. We've seen a lot of up and down inside the division this year. And Joel Batonio talked about that the other day. Um, there's no 13-win team. There's no six-win team or four-win team. Like, there has been in the past. These are the Browns or the Bengals. Um, you know, Baltimore – overcame injuries for as long as it could. And then the injuries have caught up to him the last month and Lamar Jackson being out after the tackle by Jeremiah, Jeremiah um, sent him to the sideline. He hasn't been back and that's really affected Baltimore. Um, Pittsburgh has been up and down, just can't do anything on offense, but finds a way to win enough games to not be out of the playoff picture. And then, yeah, you know, Cincinnati, when Cincinnati plays well, it looks like the best team in the division. And we saw that against Baltimore a week ago, and actually against Baltimore early in the season in Baltimore, 
when the when the Bengals put up a bunch of points. Joe Burrow had two huge games, but I will say the Ravens are decimated in the secondary, so that helps, and it helped Joe Burrow a week ago. And the Bengals have been up and down like everybody else. Just when you think, okay, the Bengals are the class of the division, they go and lay an egg. So um, I, I think that does give some hope to Browns fans wondering about Kansas City going into Cincinnati this weekend. Not only is Kansas City, a, I think they're five-point favorite, um, we've seen Cincinnati go up and down. So there's no guarantee that they'll be that the Bengals will be just as good this week. So yeah, you're exactly right about the division, but you know, not to be too negative here, but the fact that nobody's got more than nine wins with two games left, it shows you that this is a golden opportunity for the Browns. If they had lived up to their potential and won some of these close games, right? They've lost six games by six points or fewer. If they win two of those, they sit atop the division and the discussion is completely different. And in this last game, two things we've talked so much about were highlighted in this game. You know, you had just talked about, you know, one thing here or there that, that cost them so many games this year. And you saw that in this game, but you also saw another chance to win a game late. And what is Baker now? Oh, and five. And yep. on, on last minute drives, four picks, uh, whether you want to say it's his fault for all of them, the bottom line is, uh, you know, it's it's the same old song and dance right now with him. It whether is. it's whether it's his fault or not, or you know, however we get here, the bottom line is we get here. Yeah, you're 100 percent right, and it's interesting because you we've talked about this a million times, Chud, but I think it's worth saying again. You can pinpoint specific plays and say, okay, that's not Baker's fault, right? The interception to end the Packers game. I don't think it's Baker's fault. I think the official blew the call. There should have been pass interference. Um, the guy, um, Rasul Douglas, definitely had a hold of Donna Peoples-Jones, affected his route, allowed him to intercept it. I don't blame Baker there. The throw was fine. I thought the decision was fine. Maybe Peoples-Jones could have run a tougher route, but whatever. But I don't, so I don't blame Baker for that. But I blame Baker for the missed first down throw to Najoku that changes the play call after that and made the Browns run it and, you know, score at the last second to beat the Packers. Um, you know, you look at the Pittsburgh game where Jarvis Landry had a bad fourth quarter. Okay, take that one off Baker's plate. It's still 0 for 4. And um, there's just too much body of work to, to not – put that responsibility on Baker. And I thought it was interesting. We talked to Baker yesterday and we asked him about Ben Roethlisberger, right? It's going to look like it's going to be big Ben's last game in Pittsburgh on Monday night. And he, Baker just kind of brought up how well, Ben always seems to make plays in the fourth quarter and gets it done. And he goes, some guys just do that. And I don't think Baker said it like with a reference to himself, not doing it. I just think he, was stating fact that Ben's been great in the fourth quarter. I think Ben's third all time in NFL history in fourth quarter comebacks and fourth quarter winning drives. And it's like 40 comebacks and 52 winning drives, um, which is staggering. So obviously the Baker's right that that's what Ben's done throughout his career, but it's such an easy contrast with Baker and some guys just get it done. Now this doesn't mean Baker will never get it done. It doesn't mean he hasn't done it in the past you know, a handful of times, but this season he hasn't. And you start to wonder um, if he's the guy 
And if he can't do it in the fourth quarter, then he can't be your guy, right? Yeah, and you're not going to want to spend a lot of money on a guy like that. So, you know, he it's, it's not like he can't win games in the NFL, but he, he's not the elite guy that we have pinpointed so many times. I got to, you know, talk more about what you just talked about. A lot of people say, uh, hey, I mean, if he would have just made that play in the Joku, then, you know, everything would have worked out. Well, isn't that part of it? I mean, like I, everyone, I, I've heard that argument a few times this week is that, well, if they just would have made that play, then no one would be saying, oh, well, you should have run Chubb. My point there is they were, you know, getting it done on the ground. Why not take the road, the path that's easier? So if you're wanting yeah. to get to point A to B, aren't you going to take the, the path that's, that's easier to get to B from A? And in my mind, it's a lot easier. And I know the time was running down. I get that. But part of the argument I have here, and you know what? It may have even been, I, I watched you on uh, Sports Tonight with Camino, and I think you guys talked about it. So maybe that's what triggered it. I wanted to bring up with you. So do you still feel that way that you kind of mentioned that, Hey, they just would have made that play. Well, but the problem is that's the problem, Scott is so many times they just don't make that play. If, if, if you want to succeed, you got to make that play. And and that's the problem. He, I guess my point is it's easy to say, well, I'm okay with it because you just needed to make the play, but more often than not, we're not making that play. Does that make yeah, sense? I'm, I'm confusing everyone. <laughs> no, I, I got you. Um, and, and I understand your point. And you're not alone on this point. I had somebody email me, some reader email me the other day. I wrote a column about it um, early in the week saying I was fine with Stefanski's play con. I said he wasn't perfect. I had issues with the end of the first half. Baker's third interception coming out of the two-minute warning. I thought that was a perfect time to run the ball. And instead, they roll him left, and he throws the bad interception. Um, I disagreed with that. But I did not disagree with those passes at the end, right? People objected to those final three passes. I did not have a problem with that. And I'm going to explain why. But to get to your point first, um, I, I think you're saying, well, you can't trust your quarterback, so go with the guys you can trust, which is Nick Chubb in the running game. And I get that philosophy. I also think it's impossible or nearly impossible as a play caller to not, to not be able to trust your quarterback, right? You, you have to be able to throw the ball. You just do in this league. And I know, you know, you can point to the Patriots running it three times against Buffalo. That's an aberration, right? This league, you need to throw it at certain times. And I do think that Kevin Safansky does not have full trust in Baker. I think that's obvious, and it's been obvious multiple times this season. So he tries to give him the easiest throws possible, right? If, say, they run Chubb and he gains three yards and three yards, you burn both of your timeouts, now it's third and four, right? You burn two of your three timeouts. So now it's third and four, and you need to throw it, and you're going to have to throw it a bunch. Well, that doesn't suit Baker well. And all of a sudden, all the pressure's on Baker. So what you do is on first and 10 with three timeouts left, the bank, the Packers have to respect the run. So you run a play action and you have David Njoku running wide open. He Stefanski made life easier on Baker and Baker was unable to deliver. So therefore I have a hard time blaming Stefanski for that part. My other point is Stefanski needed, he felt the Browns needed to score a touchdown or at least get awfully close for a field goal 
because he didn't trust the kicker, Chris Nagar, who made his NFL debut and missed the first extra point and was bad in pregame. I talked to some reporters that were watching him in pregame, said it was awful. Um, and the Browns must agree because they cut him from the practice squad this week. So that's your kicker to win the game in Green Bay. Forget that. I'm trying to score a touchdown. So in order to go the final 50 yards in the final minute, you're not going to, I don't think, I don't, I just don't think it's practical to say you're going to run it six times to do that. I think what's practical is you have to get one or two chunk plays through the air and do that on first down. The play call worked. The quarterback didn't. Then the second down, they've been running great screens all day. And the linebacker for Green Bay makes a good play. The youngest Johnson is going to pick up yards on that screen. The linebacker makes a good play. And then on third and 10, you got to throw it. So, again, so I, I think it's so easy to criticize the play caller. And I know the run game was averaging 8.8 a carry. I get that. I also know that the three times they ran it before on that series were 4, 10, and 4. So if you're running it for four yards and then you have to take a timeout and you run it for four yards again, all of a sudden you're at the 42, you've wasted two timeouts, there's 50 seconds left, and you still got to go, whatever, 30 yards for a chip shot field goal in the dynamic changes. So I understand the frustration. I understand the numbers in Nick Chubb in your backfield. Um, but I think the throw on first down was the right call. And the, the last point on that, I know I'm getting long-winded. The last point on that is the same people that argued, and Chud, you might have been one of them, that they should have thrown the ball on third and three the week before against the Raiders with their third-string quarterback, now say you have to hand the ball off. That seems a little <laughs> uh, little contradictory to me. Yeah, let's go back. What play, Let's revisit that one again. Third and three. That was the, uh, the Raiders game, right? They needed a first yeah. down to end it. And and they ran it, and everybody said they should have thrown it, even though Nick Mullins is your quarterback, right? But that was – Oh, no. Remember that? No, I – Yeah, I do remember. No, no, I do, but I actually agreed with the – Okay. I was was fine with them running it um, there. No, our discussion was should have they – we were debating should have they run it to the middle or to the left, not the right, Right, I think. Right, right, right. But there yeah, were plenty of right. people that argued that they oh. should have just thrown them all there, right? Oh, sure. No doubt. And then w- the week before, didn't it happen? The same thing where they uh, passed the ball and we th- thought they should have run. I, this has happened multiple times. It's happened times. a ton of times. <laughs> yeah. You, no, of no, you're, 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 I got to tell you, you make a great argument and you kind of, you, you make some quality points there and it's tough to argue. But at the end of the day, as I was listening to you make your case, it all comes back to the bottom line. Baker doesn't get game-winning drives accomplished at the end of the game. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and that's a tough way to coach, and it's a tough way to win games, right? Yeah, no, no doubt. I got to tell you, I hate blaming refs, but that was awful. That that was awful at the end of the game there, the the, the no call. It's just – it's incredible to me that that – you know, and and who knows if they win the game even if if it does get called, but it's just – that that was brutal. It was, and they missed – they, on Baker's first interception, the guy's hugging Peoples Jones 15 yards downfield, and they missed that. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't think it was officiated well, but I'm with you. I like I don't blame that for the loss. You know, if say they call it on they call it on the last play. So LeBron's have the ball at the 40. Um, you know that doesn't guarantee success. Now, yeah, you'd like to see what the Browns could do from there. That doesn't mean he shouldn't have called the penalty. 
Um, but it's not as simple as if he makes a call, the Browns win the game. So looking at where they're at now, take us through. Well, you know, before we get to that, the death threats. Do you want to talk about that at all? Baker yeah, we can talk, I mean, we can talk about that real, real quick. Yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, um, Baker's wife, Emily, put on her Instagram story, um, which is the thing that it deletes itself after 24 hours. Um, she had a message about people should use social media for positive, and um, she doesn't understand the death threats to Baker, right? Like it was kind of vague, it was a vague reference. She didn't get specific. Um, and so I didn't see exactly what you're referring to. I went on one of Baker's Instagram posts and looked through a bunch of comments and didn't see, I saw some negative ones, but I didn't see anything, you know, like that threat wise. Um, and so we, so Baker got asked about it yesterday and he downplayed it. He said, you know, it's not serious. We've dealt with this kind of stuff before. He just, he called them keyboard warriors, I think was his term. So he just thinks it's, you know, jerks on social media um, going a step too far. He didn't seem concerned. He said he hadn't contacted the Browns security, right? So it's, it, it's not like it was taken to a next level. There were no security wasn't brought in. Police weren't contacted. So it's a bit, I don't want to call it a non-story. It's a bit of a, um, I, I guess Emily made it a story by putting it on social media then he had to ask Baker about it. And then he talked about how he just feels bad for Emily and his loved ones because they have to deal with this type of over the line criticism. Right. And, and to me, I mean, obviously you hope they're not legitimate. Right. And you never know. There's a bunch of crazy people out there, um, but you hope it's not legitimate. You hope Baker's right. That it's just, you know, people mad at Baker on Twitter or on social media. Um, the other part of it is just the, you know, cesspool that social media can be right in the stuff that pretty much everybody has to deal with, but especially if you're a, um, high profile person, right. Whether it's a athlete, media member, it doesn't matter. Um, you take a lot of, a lot of crap on social media, which, you know, it's not a great reflection on our society. Real quick, moving on from, uh, one last thing on the game. Do you think uh, Garrett stepping on Rogers' uh, foot did that? Did that affect Rogers in the second half, or did they just take the the pedal off the gas? You know what, yeah. what happened there? I mean, because I, at halftime, I didn't think the Browns had a shot or a prayer. As a matter of fact, I was going in against Rogers in fantasy, and I thought he was going to drop a forty six on me or something. <laughs> I mean, it, he had. I mean, he had like twenty four fantasy points in the first half, and ended up with like twenty five. I mean, it was incredible. Like, yeah. what happened? I mean, I think that did affect him because he said after the game that he had felt as good as he had, and then he got stepped on, whether it was by Miles or his own guy. Um, it might have been more than once, actually. Um, so I think it affected his mobility, but I also think the Browns' defense played better in the second half, and the Browns quit turning it over for a while. I mean, all three Packers' touchdowns in the first half came off interceptions, right? So that usually means good field position. Um which helps a guy like Aaron Rodgers. So, when, you know, they, the defense gave up the early field goal to start the third quarter and then just shut it down. And I, I think a lot of that was just the defense playing better. They benefited from a Devontae Adams drop that gave the Browns the ball with that last drive 
that they were unable to capitalize on, but you don't see that very often. But I, I think it was, you know, I mean, I'm not saying the foot wasn't a factor, but I think the bigger factor was the defense just played better. Yeah, good analogy. Um, hey, also, John Johnson on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you want to address that a little bit? That yeah. was uh, that was interesting, you know, t- tweeting, yeah, just run the ball back to our conversation we just had. Yeah, I mean, that was early, right? It was in the first half. I don't know if it was right after a Baker interception when he did it, um, but he said, run the damn ball in all caps. It's just a bad look, <laughs> you know? And, and Joel Batone's like, well, you know, he's trying to be a fan. You know, he's being a fan and, uh, you know, just trying to, like, downplay it and move on. Um, Stefanski wouldn't really address it, said, you know, any conversations he have is internal. Um, but it's a, it's a terrible look. And – you know, it's it's a knock on the coach. It's a knock on Baker, right? And you've seen, you know, starting with I want to start. I want to start it with the Odell situation, right? The Odell departure at midseason when John Johnson III was one of the guys saying, "Hey, we'd love to have Odell." Like we, right? We hope this works out with Odell. He was vocal about that, and he wasn't alone. Um, you, you wonder how the locker room feels when the defense is playing better and giving your offense chances to win. And Baker's not capitalizing, right? We saw the four picks that they got of Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And the Browns only scored three points off those, off those interceptions, and they lose a close game, right? That's a game that they probably should have won, given those turnovers and takeaways. So I think it's an honest moment from JJ3, and it's – more, I mean, it's a criticism of Stefanski, but I think there's also a criticism of Baker in there is that we don't trust our quarterback. And you wonder if that situation is tenable long-term, right? Um, what's Baker going to have to do to win back some of the guys in the locker room? That's how it feels, right? Nobody's told me that um, he doesn't have everybody's confidence anymore, but um you wonder about that, right? You wonder about the divide with the Odell Baker situation. And then when guys tweet something like that, that's certainly not a, uh, it's certainly not a shot in the arm for the quarterback. Certainly. No doubt. Uh, bring us up to speed on COVID and injuries. Yeah, it's actually, the situation's pretty good. It's been as good as it has been in a few weeks now. Um, the only guys left on the COVID list are backups. I think it's linebackers, Elijah Lee and Tony Fields, the second backup tackle, Alex Taylor, and then a couple practice squad safeties. Um, injury wise, Miles Garrett practiced on Thursday, which was a good sign because he didn't practice at all before the backers game. That was a short week and this is a longer week, but it's a good sign. Now I don't expect his growing. He was limited. I don't expect his growing to be hundred percent, but if he's, you know, let's say he was 75 against green Bay. If he gets to 85, you know, can he get the big band at 85? Right. Um, so I think that's a good sign. Kareem hunt, John Johnson, the third, um, and Troy Hill are the three guys to keep an eye on. None of them practice Thursday. We'll see if they practice Friday or Saturday. Um, Stefanski didn't rule out anybody sounded kind of hopeful about Kareem Hunt. Um, and obviously that would be a big boost, right? I mean, he's missed so much time. He missed the five games with the calf. Now the last two with the ankle, 
slash COVID, um, you know, if you get Kareem Hunt back and he's able to just give you a little, a little spark on Monday night, you know, that could be the difference against the Steelers or, you know, and or against the Bengals in the finale. I think he's that important. Not that Dernis Johnson hasn't been great in his role, um, but Kareem Hunt definitely adds something to this offense. So he's a guy to watch. And then, um, you know, Johnson the third is big at safety, um, but they have Grant Dalpit and Ronnie Harrison Jr. back. And then uh, Troy Hill, you know, is important at nickel, but they're getting Greg Newsom back, who's been out since he had the concussion December 10th. And then he had COVID too. So um, they're as healthy probably as they could hope to be at this point. So break it down for us here. The Browns still have a shot. Uh, you know, I've heard some people say, eh, it's pretty reasonable, um, you know, that they can certainly make it happen. But, but my argument to that is, you know, Scott Petrak, tell me why I should believe the Browns <laughs> can win the last two games. I mean, forget yeah. the other scenarios, because the other scenarios actually, I mean, the Chiefs beating the Bengals, that's not far-fetched. Uh, you know, the other scenarios don't, don't seem that crazy. What's crazy to me is tell me why I should believe the Browns can win two straight games. Yeah, it's interesting, Chad. Somebody asked me that earlier in the week. Like, what? which do I think is either least likely or most likely to happen? You know, out of the – it was this. It was all about this week. Browns beat the Steelers. Ravens lose the Rams. Um, Bengals lose the Chiefs. And it, it feels all pretty similar to me. And if you look at the point spreads, they're all pretty similar. Three and a half to five. Um but your points well taken and it's hard for me to argue the Browns haven't won two in a row since weeks two, three, and four. Right. So all of a sudden you go, okay, they're going to automatically win the last two. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not possible. And if you're asking for reasons why it can happen, I would say number one is Pittsburgh, just not that good. Um, if you're a Browns fan, I would be concerned about the emotion and atmosphere of Monday night, big Ben's, all signs point to Big Ben's final game, final home game at Heinz Field. He said that he said all he wouldn't go def- definite, but he said all signs point to, and that's as close as you're going to get, right? So it's you know, so can Big Ben pull out one more, you know, magic act, one more masterpiece? Yeah, I don't think that's crazy. His numbers are pretty good this year, so I'd be concerned about that. But having said that, you know, Pittsburgh's not a dynamic offense. Hasn't been all year. Their defense is at the bottom of the league against the run. Um, it's missing pieces like it has for a while. It's just not the same. Um, so that's the reason I think they can be Pittsburgh. And then Cincinnati would be harder. Um, although, you know, you can just point to the Browns winning down there in November, early November. They waxed Cincinnati. And they've had pretty good luck against Cincinnati in the past couple of years. So, there's certainly a way that they can do it. And if you get the home crowd and a winner take all game on that final Sunday of the season, yeah, would it be impossible for the Browns to beat Cincinnati? No. So, you know, I can certainly see a scenario, Chud, but you're right to have skepticism just given how inconsistent the Browns have been and their inability to pull out close games. And I don't think there's a lot of reason to think these last two games wouldn't be close. Um, if, if the Browns are going to, in fact, win them both. So the Chiefs are, uh, let's see, five. Yep. Minus five, Rams minus four. But the Ravens and Bengals are both at home. Correct. Correct? 
So that's the advantage they have there. So you, the Browns have the advantage of playing, you know, I'd rather play the Steelers and the Rams or Chiefs. Uh, th- those two teams are at home, but the Ravens, they're just, I mean, you know, their defense is not looking good and they got issues at quarterback with the, the health and, um, you know, they've lost a lot of close games. So it, it'll be interesting to see, no question. Um, yeah, I mean, their, their secondary is ravaged. Um, yeah. You know, and it's Matt Stafford and OBJ. So you have to hope OBJ um, does the Browns a solid. Um, you know, if the Ravens won, the Browns could still get in if the Ravens lost the next week at home to Pittsburgh. But then, you know, then you're asking a lot. Maybe Lamar's back because he doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, you know, Kansas City's on a roll. But Cincinnati played well last week. Like, like it, it, I think all three feel like toss-ups in some degree to me. Um which may, you know, if you're a Browns fan, then you're really got to cross your fingers. And I don't know if this is good or bad, but you should know at about 4.15 what Monday night means because both teams play at 1 o'clock, the Ravens and the Bengals. So let's say at 4.15 on Sunday, the Browns would know that if they go into Pittsburgh, there's a chance that if they win, they control their destiny and could set up that final game against Cincinnati winner take all, which would probably get bumped to Sunday night football. So there'd that be a huge be letdown. Awesome. If, right. Yeah. But there'd be a huge letdown if it doesn't happen. Right. If Cincinnati yeah. wins and clinches a division, you know, the Browns wildcard chances are minuscule and they might be, they might be gone by then too. So then the whole focus for Monday night shifts. Right. And it's about, we're talking about big Ben's finale more. We're talking about a lost, season can you get to nine and eight right i mean the conversation changes so um you know from a guy that wants the browns to be interesting um you know you hope everything goes their way so week 18 is hyper important now explain to everyone again if the Bengals beat the chiefs is it over then browns that it's over All yeah right. um, so actually it's over it's over for the division they clinched the division because they would hold the tiebreaker breaker with the Ravens and the Ravens could only tie him. If the Bengals lose and the Ravens win, what happens there? The Browns would need to win their final two and Baltimore would need to lose the finale at home versus finale. Pittsburgh. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Uh, before we get to prediction time, no, no, you know what? I have, uh, I have two things real quick uh, before we get to prediction time. Or b- b- actually I have two things that are not Browns related. And then prediction. But before I do that, anything else you want to hit regarding last week's game or talking about the Steelers again? No, I yeah, just just Big Ben real quick. Just how I mean, people are going to want to hear this, and they already know. But just how dominant he's been. You know, I think yeah. it's twenty four three and one as a starter against the Browns, and that includes the playoff loss last year. That's the only game he's lost in Pittsburgh to the Browns. Um, you know, 18 years, Hall of Fame career. Uh, it's, you know, watched pretty much all those games. You know, I know I've watched all those games, pretty much all of them in person. Seen him um, develop as a quarterback. Seen him switch styles. Remember, it just came back to me this week. Um, you know, early in his career, he was the kind of guy, he extended plays. And he would shake off an Orpheus Roy or Willie McGinnis and make a big throw to kill the Browns, right? And then as he got older and didn't want to get hit as much and didn't, couldn't move as well, 
He just got rid of the ball super fast, became a much higher completion percentage guy, and was still a top quarterback in the league, still an elite guy. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Pittsburgh does without Ben, right? You're just used to, okay, Ben's in Pittsburgh. Um, it's going to be a new era. Do they draft a guy? Do they go try to get a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers? Or, um, you know, how do they handle that? Um, it, it's just going to be so different because we're so used to Pittsburgh having a, an elite quarterback who you knew was going to give them a chance to win and win in the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. Watching him play over the years to think the Browns could have drafted him and, yeah. you know, saved all this pain that we've suffered. But it was amazing to watch him throughout his career just extend plays, feel the pocket, and just always seem to make it happen. You know, it was incredible yeah. how he was able, you know, coming out of uh, Miami in the MAC. So, all right. Uh, and from Finley. Yep. So, you know, hometown boy that, you know, somewhat hometown, but. I spent a lot of years in Toledo, so I actually covered him in high school. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So um, one thing I wanted to bring up, though, before we get to the prediction time, John Madden, what a huge mm. loss for the NFL. And, uh, I mean, just so many memories with that guy in, in so many different ways. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I recorded that um, documentary that who I think it was Fox did. Um, so I was glad that I recorded it because then I went, watched it. Um, the night that he died and so many good stories and so many good anecdotes, um, you know, the game's greatest talking about him Favre and Brady and Belichick um, just a huge figure in three different ways, right? Great coach. I mean, best winning percentage for a coach in history with a hundred games, you know, broadcaster, maybe the best broadcaster ever. And then the video game, which I'm not, I'm not a video game guy. And I think, you know, I, I'm not sure when Madden started. Stefanski said his first was 93. So I don't know if the game started it was, before 93. It was the, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. I, I, I know okay. that I graduated high school in 93, and I played it in high school and then okay. tons of it in college in the mid-90s. But I, I, it's funny he says that because Madden 93 was uh, my favorite one. Okay. Um, but I, I, I don't hold me to that, but I know it was late 80s, early 90s, whether it was 89, 91. I, I don't know. It's somewhere gotcha. in there. Uh, yeah. well, that's interesting because, I, like I said, I was never a huge video game guy. But um, at college, some, you know, some guy back then, they had Sega. So, like, I played some Sega hockey. Like, I remember guys down the hall had that, and we would play that. Um, but I think if they had had Madden, then I would have played a lot of that. And that's something that I probably would have gotten into and would have stayed into just, but I never got into it when I was kind of in those formidable years um, and just never really have been a huge video game guy. But I know for so many people, um, that's their connection to John Madden, right? It's through that video game. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, I, I, after college, I got away from it, but um, you know, definitely high school and college years, but you weren't into tech mobile or blades of steel, double dribble back in the no, day. Not really. <laughs> no, I mean, we played the Sega hockey and that's about it. Like it's probably because yeah, I, was was I was never very good at those games, you know, like um, I, yeah, I, for, for whatever reason, I just never got into them. Yeah. It's weird. And last thing I'm going to, Bring up. I am heading to the fantasy bowl. We talk about your golf game and my <laughs> fantasy uh, team. Well, we talk about your fantasy team as well, but uh, 
your years uh you had a little bit of a down year right uh yeah i i've had i've had a couple down years in a row um so it feels good to get back but playing for the championship this week so that's big Chad. i know how much you enjoy that that's huge yeah no i'm pumped no doubt all right ready for predictions sure uh so browns are seven and eight you are nine and six and i am ten and five as Mm. we head into our 16th prediction here so i mean we're pretty close man right there yeah yeah Still to be decided, TBD. So I think you're up first this week. Yeah, I think I am too. Um, All right. Is I laid in bed, not able to sleep. Um, I was trying to (laughs) come up with the final score. I'm going to go Browns win. Um, I think they're a better team than Pittsburgh. I am concerned at how that bend factor plays out. Um, You know, maybe if the Browns get off to a good start, maybe just it fizzles out, right? Uh, it's just a, you know, thanks, Ben, and our season's over and your career's over kind of thing. Um, so I, I'm going to go Browns 24 to 20. Uh, I wanted – I thought about going higher score, but neither team has proven that they score a bunch of points. So I'm going to have – I have a hard time doing that, um, although it wouldn't shock me if we saw that kind of game. Um but I'm going to go 24-20, Browns win. Um, and hopefully that means uh, something, a lot to talk about next week, Chud, leading into that finale versus the Bengals, because I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, no question. And I forgot to mention, we both picked the Packers last week to get to where we're at. You actually were closer in the score. I had them winning by 10, I think. And you had it You had it by three. You had it yeah, closer. Close game, man. So, yeah, you, were, uh, you typically have been – pretty good on that with the Vegas lines uh, this year, no doubt. Um, Yeah. You know, this is a tough one. I think this is one of the more difficult ones of the year. Um, The big Ben thing. I I would say previous Chud would have said, there's no way the Browns can beat the Steelers with it being his last home game, you know, prove to me that you can win a game like this, but here's the thing. They did prove that they can win. Now they didn't do it really. were there fan, I can't remember. Were there fans in that playoff game? Like, small uh, you know, amount, if right? there were, yeah, there weren't very many. There weren't very many. Yeah. So again, you know, I'm a big stickler on that. I, I yeah. think a full house on the road in the playoffs is a bigger deal than, you know, sure. But still, needless to say, that it's not taking away from it. They still won there. Bottom line is what I'm saying is I can't sit here and say, "Prove me you could beat Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh" because they did. Um. So, you know, I, I think. That said, uh, you know, I'm also thinking I don't want to be on the wrong end of this if I pick Pittsburgh and the Browns win. That's the worst feeling in the world, Uh, you know. Yeah, I got you. I got you. You know, and uh, I agree with you. I think the Browns are the better team. I think that this is one where maybe you could change your mind if, you know, you know the Browns don't have a shot to win the division. You know, that could change the mentality a little bit. Yes. Um, But I'm going to go Browns win as well. And I'm going to go 21-20. So we're okay. right there. And I, ha- I had that written down before I heard you say yours. We're both pretty close there. It, you know, it could be something as simple as uh, Steelers go for two and miss it. There. Or, uh, you know, a, a missed. I, I don't know. There's something strange might happen, but you're going to get a 21-20 final. Okay. All right. We both got bronze wins. And it's uh, the Manning cast. I need to spend oh. two. They're going to be talking about the Browns. Yeah. 
That's something so, you probably have to record though and go back and watch, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm definitely will. I'm gonna have somebody actually. One of our, one of my coworkers is gonna watch live and write something about it, just because I think it's gonna be that interesting to see what they have to say about Baker. Well, you'll be going, right? That's my plan, um, Chuck. Yeah. But they're actually all the interviews are gonna be on Zoom, so oh, okay. Um, it's not a hundred percent sure, but I'm gonna try to get there if I can. So, um, okay, yeah. So, well, Chad, thank you so much for doing this. I know you had a rough week, and um, Happy New Year. Yeah, we'll talk, Happy we'll New talk, Year Thank you. We'll talk next week, regardless of what happens Monday night. Um, preview the finale, and maybe it'll be a winner-take-all finale. Um, ah, so be awesome. That would be cool. So thanks, everybody, for listening to the latest episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. You can read all my work at brownzone.com, sponsored by Fligner's. Thanks again. We'll talk to you next week and happy new year.